0: Good morning. We're beginning a new teaching series today. And you may remember that before Easter, we were working our way through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapters five, six, and seven. And we're gonna continue over the next few weeks looking at the next two chapters of Matthew's Gospel, chapters eight and nine. And the whole series is called The Power of Christ. And in these two chapters, we'll see how Jesus displays his power in various areas. For example, he displays his power in, uh, and over sickness in healing people in various situations. He displays his power over nature when he calms the storm, when he and the disciples were in the boat on the Lake of Galilee. He shows his power over demons when he sets people free and casts out demons from them. He shows his power over sin when he proclaims forgiveness as God to people, and even his power in these two chapters over death itself. So I would really recommend to you that over the next few weeks, week by week, why not read and reread these two chapters, Matthew 8 and 9, and really immerse yourself in them to see the person of Jesus. Today's beginning session is entitled, Jesus's Power Over Sickness. And we'll look at uh, just three short passages from within the two chapters to illustrate that. Now, Matthew, the Gospel writer and the disciple of Jesus, he's put together certain miracles and incidents in Jesus's life and he's put them together in a particular order a particular sequence if you like and it's not necessarily exactly the same sequence as you'll find them in any of the other three gospels but Matthew has done it deliberately he's done it for a reason remember he himself was a disciple of Jesus we see in chapter nine here how Jesus calls him to become a disciple and follow him. And we read um, uh, a couple of interesting bookend type verses, summary verses, both before chapter five and at the end of chapter nine. The, the, The verses are identical to each other. So let me read you the one at the beginning, just before the Sermon on the Mount starts. In Matthew chapter four, verse 23, we read, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness that's how Matthew introduces what's going to come next how Jesus went around and he did two things he taught and announced the good news about the kingdom. And then he demonstrated the good news about the kingdom of God by healing people, healing them of every kind of disease and illness. So he's talking about Jesus's teaching and Jesus's healing. And straight after that, you have three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount as the supreme example of his teaching. And then two more chapters straight after that, Matthew 8 and 9, showing examples of his healing as well. So there's a structure to the whole of Matthew's gospel, and there's a structure to what we're looking at today. I'd like to uh, read the first few verses of Matthew chapter 8. So if you want to follow this, this is Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, when Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. What an amazing and wonderful healing how Jesus demonstrated not just his power over sickness, but I think what's even more important maybe is Jesus demonstrated his compassion When we read the second of those bookend verses at the end of chapter 9, how he went around announcing the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and illness, we then read this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is the first thing we learn here through the power of Jesus, that This is what God is like. This shows us what God is like. He has compassion on people who are suffering. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In other words, what I am like and how I treat people, that's exactly what God the Father is like. Jesus had compassion. We read that several times through the gospel, that, that moved with compassion, he reached out and touched people, prayed for them, commanded things to happen. Every time we read that phrase, that he was moved with compassion, a miracle happens. You see, these healings are, and, and other miracles, they are not arbitrary acts of power just to show how mighty Jesus is. They show the motivation of God which is compassion for people in need, shows us what God is like. He sees us, he cares for us, he loves us. He is willing to heal us. Now we read as well that Jesus touched the leper. That's a significant detail. In Luke's gospel, and remember Luke, was a medical doctor. So sometimes his descriptions of healing miracles have an extra linguistic element to them where it describes a detail in a different way. We read in Luke's gospel that this man had not just leprosy but an advanced case of leprosy. He was really badly affected by it. Jesus touched him. And instead of that uncleanness coming in effect in Jesus, Jesus's power, love and wholeness was transferred to this man and he was healed instantly and completely, but not just physically. He was healed spiritually as well. God demonstrated his love through Jesus to him and he was healed socially, brought back into into companionship and and, uh, society with other people. This is what Matthew is choosing to show throughout these two chapters, that the people Jesus ministered to and healed were those who were otherwise excluded from the blessing of God. These were the despised, the weak ones, the lepers, the Gentiles, the blind, sick women, demoniacs, tax collectors, even the dead. Jesus ministered healing, blessing, wholeness and inclusion to them. Now we long to see more healing happening today. We reach out to that, we pray to God for that, but I wonder whether at the same time we ought to reach out for more of God's heart of compassion to flow through us in order to be able to pray for the sick and love them in exactly the same way as Jesus did. So let's read another short passage from Matthew chapter 8 now as well. So Matthew chapter eight, verses 14 to 17. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Now here, Matthew is choosing to quote an Old Testament scripture, as he says, from Isaiah. In fact, it's from Isaiah chapter 53, that classic Uh, chapter and passage about the sufferings of the Messiah, the suffering servant who would bear our griefs, our sorrows, our sins, carry them like Jesus did on the cross for us. But here we have Matthew referring to the healings that Jesus performed before the cross has happened, obviously, and saying this fulfills what was said of the Messiah to come, that he would take upon himself our infirmities our sicknesses, our weaknesses. In fact, take upon himself and remove them. So always here we we read through Matthew's gospel his, his reference back to the Old Testament and how Jesus is fulfilling all the promises of the one to come, the promised one from God, the Messiah, the special one for the Jewish people. His audience, when he wrote this gospel, this version of Jesus's life and ministry was specifically and mainly for a Jewish audience. And so that's why he quotes the Old Testament lots of times. In fact, in the gospel, he quotes the Old Testament 38 times. I can vouch for that because I've counted them all myself. And so he's trying to say to his Jewish audience, look, this Jesus He is your own very Messiah. He fulfills all of the old, all of what God promised you through the law, through Moses, through the prophets, right the way throughout. But as well as fulfilling the old, Matthew links that as well with Jesus introducing the new. And the new that he's talking about is the newness of the kingdom of God. You remember I said before, when we talked about the leper, that how Jesus had compassion for him, that this shows us what God is like. Well, all his healings as well show us what the kingdom of God is like. This new age that we enter now when we receive forgiveness From Christ because of his blood shed on the cross for us. We enter into the kingdom of God, but we don't yet fully see the entirety of the kingdom yet to be displayed at the very end when Christ comes again, when we receive a resurrection body. In this new age to come, we read in scripture that there will be an absence of the things that cause us pain and suffering now. There will be no pain at all. There will be no suffering, no sickness, no sin, no separation, and, of course, no death itself. These are the things that Jesus was saying, now the kingdom of God is among you. Enter in, and this will be the new age that you will be part of eventually. We taste of it now, but we don't yet fully live in it. It's not fully revealed yet. We've entered, we've been forgiven, but we've not yet been resurrected because we still live in this age where there is suffering and aging and sickness and ultimately death. Uh, The truth is, of course, that all the people that Jesus healed, all the people even that Jesus raised from the dead, went on to die later in their lives again. It didn't save them from that, even though they tasted something of the power of the age to come. It's a bit like, I don't know if this will help you, this, this link, this analogy, but it's a bit like, in my mind, I think about the day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that Saturday in between. It's, the cross has already happened. Forgiveness is available for us. We can, we can receive that, but the resurrection hasn't yet been shown, hasn't yet, uh, hasn't yet occurred. And so we live in that in-between stage where, he, in our lives now where healing from the Lord is available. We do see God touch and heal people, but we don't see that happening for every person. And even when it does, it doesn't stop the process of aging and ultimately death. We read the best description of it, I, I, I think, about this, this struggle that we live in. This groaning, if you like, we read about it in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read it to you, um, uh, uh, this passage, and I I think it it encapsulates it uh, very well. Romans 8, verse 18 onwards. I consider... and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. One day, we and the whole creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay. But we haven't reached that day yet. And so, if we're honest, we struggle with that. There is a groaning within us because of things we go through, because of prayers that don't seem to be answered, people that don't seem to be healed, even when God does heal some others. There is a struggle within us, a reaching out for more that is to come. In the meantime, that is why God has so graciously and generously given us His Holy Spirit to dwell within us. The Holy Spirit in you and me, if we've become Christians and followers of Jesus, the the, the Scriptures describe the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks of the Holy Spirit coming to live within us, and later in the New Testament, He is described as a deposit, a down payment, guaranteeing what is to come. The Father puts the Holy Spirit, places the Holy Spirit to live within us, puts a deposit upon us to say, you are mine, you belong to me, and my down payment in your life guarantees that the rest will definitely follow one day. The best is yet to come. And so we'll read one final short passage, this time from Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 34. After Jesus left the girls' home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But instead they went out and spread his fame all over the region. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon. And then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said, He can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. Now, I've said before that the healings we read about here in these two chapters and throughout the Gospels show us what God is like. They show us what the kingdom of God is like as well and what it will be like, but they also show us exactly what people are like. And in this short passage I've just read, we have three different responses to Jesus, to his compassion, to his power over sickness, to his message of the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is motivated by compassion. He offers healing, he offers forgiveness, He offers ultimately salvation to all of us, but he is looking for a response in us. That's why each account of a healing is different. He treats people individually and differently. He wants to know where are you at in your faith, in your expectation, in your desire for a relationship with God, not just a quick fix to your problem. And and when that's the case, and he's looking for the same in us, do you believe? Do you trust me? Do you want to know God? Do you want to be reconciled to the Father? Do you want to be adopted into the family of God, not just feel physically well? He's looking for that to change. And there are three possible responses, all of of which are are shown here. There's, There's the right one. There's faith. Did you notice how Jesus asked the men, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, we do. And because they believed, they totally took Jesus at his word, they received. So faith allowed them to receive the gracious gift of God to them through Jesus in healing. Other people then looking around, looking at what had happened to them and then the the mute man who whom Jesus healed and cast the demon out of, and they, their reaction was, Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. They were amazed. They were impressed. They were amazed and, and, uh, and could, couldn't, couldn't hardly believe it. But, you know, that was not enough. It doesn't say they went on to believe in Jesus and become his followers. Maybe some of them did. But amazement and being impressed with Jesus, agreeing that he is the Son of God, is not enough we need to personally put our faith in him trust him and have a relationship with him so we have faith as one response amazement another and thirdly these pharisees they utterly rejected jesus in their in their pride in their arrogance in their prejudice jesus described the pharisees as blind guides they refused to believe And they tried to prevent other people receiving and believing as well. In the same chapter, chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus said this very tellingly. He said, For I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's where we start, not thinking we're good enough ourselves, knowing we're sinners, knowing we need God. And so Jesus healed His healings show what God is like. They show what the kingdom of God is like. They show what people are like. If we were in a physical meeting today, all in the same room, whether that be at Central Hall or somewhere else, I am absolutely sure there would be a call of response. There would be the opportunity for prayer, for healing. But we're not in a meeting like that today. We're separate. But that does not mean you cannot respond to Jesus directly yourself. If you need healing today for yourself, then you can approach Jesus, just like these people did here in the pages of Matthew's Gospel. And you can say to Jesus, as it were, Lord, like the leper did, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. Why don't you do that if you need to? Why don't you take some time, imagine you're there right in front of Jesus and say that to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. And then picture him looking at you in the eye and responding in exactly the same way as he did to the leper. And him telling you personally, compassionately, lovingly, I am willing, be healed. But maybe you don't need healing today, or even if you do, you also would love the faith and the compassion to offer that gift to other people, to pray for other people for their healing and to introduce them to Jesus. Then we can also come to him and ask for that. Lord, you might want to pray this sort of prayer yourself. Lord, give me your heart of compassion Jesus, may I treat people the way you did, as well as pray for them the way you did. Give me your heart of compassion and give me opportunities to pray for others, offering them the same love that Jesus has given me and that I have received. God bless you as you pray either or both of those prayers today. Amen.